Welcome to Meet the Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. And how are you today, Zoe? I'm all right. I'm very sweaty. It is hot in my room. It is hot at work. It is hot outside. And I have all my fans off for recording purposes. So I'm just kind of sitting in this... uh, That's really rough. Still air. Hot still air right now. But otherwise Is it hot in Vermont? I mean, yeah. It's in like the 80s. Or late twenties, if you're a European, if you're European, or Celsius, <laughs> or, or non-American, just not American. <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's hot out. It's like a hot weekend, and then it's gonna get a bit cooler again, and then it'll probably get hot again because that's life. And True, and it is uh, summer almost. Yes, it is sunny out though, which is nice. How are you? I'm good. Here in Amsterdam, it's been like a little bit cold and like pretty rainy and mm. windy. But I'm fine with that because I don't like hot weather. <laughs> um, other than that, I've been working on my thesis awesome. and not much has changed. It's still a lot of data to go through, but I'm very excited about it and I'm very happy with how my results are turning out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you're going to have a very well-researched and defendable thesis. Yeah, I got, if you didn't listen to the last episode, like over a thousand responses. So that is very exciting for my the validity of my study. Absolutely. Or whatever. Yeah. Scientific. Yeah. Anyway, so who are we talking about today? Alrighty. So today we are going to be talking about Faitiri from Maori mythology. Ooh, fun. So, have you heard of her at all? No. I knew she was Maori from the name because I know that it's um, W-H in Maori. is like an F sound, but Mm -hmm. that's as good as I've got. Yeah, I did not know that, so that was exciting to find out when I was looking at pronunciations. And it's an yes. interesting um, difference. But anyway, um, she is a female Atua, or goddess slash spirit, and she sort of represents thunder in Maori mythology. How fun! Yeah. She is said to be descended from Te Kanapu and Te Uira, uh, who are both spirits of lightning. So, like, those are her ancestors. Okay, so lightning created thunder. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not, so it's not like, you know, if we have, you know, ancient Greek mythology where there's, like, one god that's generally, like, associated with this one thing. I think there are, like, a lot of spirits that are associated with, like, storms and lightning, and some are more prominent than others. I see. Um, And actually, as you'll see, like, her actual association with thunder and lightning and stuff are not, is not actually the main part of her story. Oh, okay. So, um... But yeah, that's that is who she is. So it's very fun. The story associated with her. So Faitiri is not a kindly goddess, but a fearsome figure who loves the taste of human flesh. Ooh. Yeah. So it's always a really fun way to start a story. Yes. In my opinion. Yes. She loves human flesh. So one day she heard of a human man named Kaitangata, which means man eater. The name means man eater. 
No fun. Yeah. So since his name was Maneater, she became convinced that he would be the perfect husband for her. And so she came down to wow. Earth and married him. Um, unfortunately, after marrying him, she found out that her husband was not exactly who she hoped he'd be. So primarily, he eat yes. Men. So mainly, she learned that he was a gentle person who was absolutely uninterested in eating humans. I think he was like a warrior, so he had that name from like being a good fighter. Mm. But he did not. He was not interested in eating humans. So in okay. order to win his affection and sway his opinion, she killed her favorite slave, Anonokia, and offered her heart and liver to Kaitangata. But unfortunately, he was disgusted by the offering. He did not want it at all. She did not convince him. I mean, that's pretty understandable. So he actually spent most of his time fishing in order to provide for his family. However, he did not know how to make hooks with a barb, so he often lost a lot of his fish. And so Faitiri showed him how to make barbed hooks and gave him one. And he was using that to fish. It's kind of sweet. Yeah. I mean, imagine if your wife is always trying to give you, like, livers and stuff. Yeah, so, like, she gives him some human flesh, and then she's like, okay, you're having trouble fishing. Here's something, so you stop having trouble fishing. Yeah, so she eventually grew tired of always eating fish. And one day when her husband was away, she took a net and caught two of his relatives, Tupeketi and Tupeketa. She presented them to her husband and asked him to perform the proper incantations for sacrificing humans to gods. However, he did not know the chants, so he asked her to perform the ritual herself. And she also didn't know the chants, but she didn't want to confess that she didn't know the correct words, so she mumbled some nonsense words and, like, did the ritual, then cooked the bodies and ate them until only the bones were left to the shock of the villagers around them. That's really fun. Yeah. I like that detail that she just doesn't know yeah. the chance. <laughs> yeah, and it is important. So eventually, um, Kaitaingata eventually used the bones to make barbed hooks in order to fish. And with them, he caught a grouper fish and gave it to Faitiri without telling her that it had been caught with the bones of his relatives. But because the bones had not been sacrificed in the proper rituals, Faitiri slowly began to go blind after eating the fish. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Like as a sort of a punishment? Yeah, I think it's just sort of like, you know... Or just because she like, really did the shant wrong and now she's just blind. Yeah, well, she didn't do the proper rituals and then they were being used in an improper way, I guess, and that was just I sort see, of the result yeah, okay. of it. Just sort of a disrespectful... Yeah, and so one day, Vaitiri became upset when she heard her husband describing her to some strangers. He said that she had skin like the wind and her heart was cold as snow. And later, he further embarrassed her when he complained that their children were dirty. And so she explained to him that she could not wash their children because she was a sacred being from heaven, so she couldn't wash their children. Because she couldn't get herself dirty or something? Yeah, I think so. Um, upset, so she was upset by the insults, and she decided to return to her heavenly domain and departed in a cloud. However, before she left, she did declare that one day her children would join her. And so this prophecy was fulfilled through her grandson, who is the hero Tawafaki, and his brother, Kahiri. And at the foot of heaven... They found their grandmother, who is now completely blind, and she was counting taro tubers, which were her only food. And so they decided to mess with her by snatching away tubers, disrupting her count. However, eventually she realized that she was being messed with, and they revealed their identities and returned her sight to her. And as a reward for this, Faitiri gave them advice on how to climb up to heaven. That's kind of nice. Yeah. I wonder how they did that. Got the... Yeah, so back. Um, I will like mention it in a second, actually. Oh, got it. Got um, I do think it's kind of mean that they were just like, we're going to mess with the, you know, the blind with woman. With our blind grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if they knew she was their grandmother. 
I think it depends on the story. Um, but, like, they were just like, oh, she's trying to count things. Well, we're going to sort of, like, mess with her. And then, I mean, eventually, like... Teenagers. Yeah, exactly. You know, kids. So, speaking of which, Kahiri climbed first, but he chose the wrong vine, which was the hanging vine, and was blown about by the wind until he fell to his death. So he did not follow the advice, and he died. Wow. However, Talafaki chose the parent vine, and it supported his weight as he climbed all the way up to the highest heaven. And there he was able to learn spells, get married, and have a son. And that's sort of like the end of the story. So what are your thoughts so far? Okay, my first thought is that it seems like, in at least partially, like a way to warn against like doing things like not the way that you're told to do them. Like, you have to do things very specifically correct. Mm. Like, um, when you're doing, like, a heavenly chant or, like, following instructions from a goddess, you can't mess it up, otherwise you'll die or, like, go blind. Yeah. So, like, be sure to be diligent when, like, faced with heaven and spirits and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, um, I thought that her story was very fun. Um, I do like the human flesh detail. I thought that she would eat more flesh throughout the story. It seemed like more of a character background thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, she was probably eating flesh at some points, but, like... That's so I think she was trying... I mean, she was trying to, like, live like a human and, you know, Mm -hmm. eat fish with her husband. And it just kind of didn't really work out for her, I guess. I really love the whole idea of, like, oh, no, my husband doesn't like eating flesh, so I should convince him to <laughs> eat flesh. That was yeah. just really fun. Yeah, I, I appreciated that story. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's very whimsical. It kind of reminds me, not really, but, like, a little bit of the story from Australia of the goddess who um, just, like, was super bad at anatomy. And that's why yes. we have platypi. Oh, my gosh, yes. Like, I it's love just very, story. like... It's very fun. It's very, like, whimsical. Like, I mean, obviously the one's from Australia, one's from New Zealand. Uh-huh. But I just think that's just very, very fun. Like, that gods are, like, kind of fallible and, like, mm-hmm. odd and, like, not always good at things. Yeah. I think that's really fun. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think that's super fun. And I just think it's so funny that she, like, heard his name and is like, his name is Maneater, so therefore he must like human flesh. And of course, the and quality- therefore I have to marry him. The quality I'm looking for most in a husband is someone who shares my love for eating human flesh. And that's what I want. And Honestly, yeah, that's great. You know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever your type is. But I just think it's funny that that was all she needed to hear. She was just like, his name's Maneater? Okay, I'm coming down from heaven where I am, like, a god and going to Earth where I am, like, kind of an outsider as is sort of, like, clear throughout the story. And, like, she's willing to do all that just so she can have, like, a guy who, like, eats human flesh with her. So she's just kind of, like, trying to share her, like, love and joy over this, like, one, this thing, this thing with someone and find someone who shares her interests, basically. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, how many spirits were actually into eating flesh. Like, maybe it was just her. Yeah. And that's, like, her main thing. Unless you just really wanted somebody who would eat human flesh with her. Yeah, and she just was, she was just looking for Mr. Right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of sweet that she, like, helped him fish. Because, like, she was, like, super against eating, you know, human food or whatever. And then, yeah, like, she sees that he actually wants to eat fish. So it's, like, a nice little gesture. For her, I'll say, like, I accept that you don't eat human flesh. Uh-huh. I thought that was kind of sweet. Yeah, like, she's trying to make what it What happened work. to him in the end? 
I don't know. I mean, I guess he probably died like a normal human death. But he kind of just, well, he was like rude to her after some point. He was like, oh, she has no heart. Her heart is as cold as snow or whatever. Fair enough. And then she was like, you know what? I, I, I'm not, I'm not willing to put up with this forever. Like I could be doing better things. And she went back to heaven, basically. I mean, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like I understand why he thought that. But it's kind of sad for uh, Fiery. Yeah. I mean, it was just also w- rude for him to say that their children were dirty. It's like, man, you can also wash your children. Yeah. Do your job as a father. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what the gender roles were. Though. Yeah. This place, but I assume he was just n- not picking up the slack. Yeah. I mean, he was too busy fishing, I guess. Not eating fishing human flesh. Take the whole day. I mean, I mean it kind of does, though. Fishing day. can take a long time. Okay, I've never gone fishing. I don't oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I went to fishing camp once, and, like, I mean, it just depends camp. on how good you are at catching things. Yeah. It was, was a, it, like, sleepaway camp? No, it was, like, a day camp, but, like, we were, drove to different parts of, like, Ohio to go fishing, and we just kind of fished all day, and it was kind of boring. I did not enjoy it, but I did it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Maybe he was super busy all day doing fishing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, it can take a while, but maybe he also just really liked fishing, so he was there for... Maybe, you know, it was like, oh, get out, of, get out of the house for a bit. Get away from the wife. Like, you know, me on my boat. <laughs> Just me and this. I mean, if your wife was offering you flesh every day, that'd be, you'd probably want to get away. Yeah, I mean, that'd there's really got to be some boundaries set there. But I think he was still kind of mean to her. Yeah, he talk shouldn't, badly. like, talk badly about <laughs> his wife. Yeah. So it's very rude. Um, yeah, I also like that she was a grandmother. In uh-huh. part of the story, we were talking about, I think it was Sky Woman and how it was cool that she yeah. was a grandmother and mm-hmm. just, like, grandmothers being used in, like, mythology mm-hmm. is really fun. Yeah. And I feel like we kind of see that more in, like, indigenous mythology. Yeah. Maybe I'm just making that up, but it kind of seems like that to me. I mean, I think, yeah, I feel like, I mean, again, like, I, this is based on, like, two different stories that we've talked about but I do think there is like some sort of great there's like greater respect for elders and elder women and the wisdom that they have um compared to like other mythologies where it's just sort of like old people maybe exist but they're evil yeah like they're like they they represent death and like we don't really like them yeah and yeah I think that um aspect of her is super interesting yeah, I agree. As is the case with all stories told by oral tradition, there are several variations depending on the tribe telling the story. So in some versions of the story, her sight was restored through her being slapped, spat on, or by throwing two coconuts at her eyes. So, by the grandsons? Yeah. So that sort of answers so your question rude. of being, um, being of how she got her sight back. Maybe they threw two coconuts at her eyes and they restored her sight. Just had to prank a grandmother and then yeah. just get I her guess. sight back. Yeah. In the stories of the Aratwa tribe of Rotorua, some aspects of Faitiri's story are reflected in the stories of a different being, Metekerepo. So in these stories, Metekerepo is Tafaki's grandmother and fills the role of a female helper archetype, although she appears more as a threatening figure that must be satiated. So she helps Tafaki reunite with his daughter and his wife and is guarding the ropes up to the heavens. She is blind and she is counting the taro roots in front of her. So as of the original story, Tafaki begins to remove the roots as she counts, disrupting her process until she realizes that someone is messing with her. And as she searches for who, she sniffs the air and her stomach distends, ready to swallow whole whoever is throwing her off. Ooh. Yeah. 
But finally, she sniffs towards Tafaki, and fortunately, the west wind blows, allowing her to catch his scent and recognize him as her grandson. So, lucky incident with the wind there. I like the swallowing people alive thing. It reminds me of Miru. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, I don't know, there's been a lot of, like, you know, like, creepy, um, you know, cannibalistic woman stories that sort of involve, like, the distending of the stomach or, like, physical, like, morphing of really? the body. And I mean, like, that I've read personally. This isn't necessarily, like, mythology. This is just, like, stories I've read. Like, in books but Miru and was also Maori, or, like, partially. Yeah, I remember, I remember her. And so, after she catches his scent, she gives him advice to climb up to the heavens, and that night he spits in the mud and rubs it on her eyes, curing her of her blindness. So there's another way that um, she was cured. That one kind of makes sense. Yeah. And that one is interesting because, like, Jesus heals a man's, like, blindness in the Bible in the exact same way. So, like... Interesting. Yeah. So that has, like, a precedent not just from one place, but from, like, many places. Yeah, that... Or, like, or like, also... At least two. It could be, like, an adaptation involving, like, some sort of Christian symbolism. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is true. sort of, like... I mean... It could be found other places. It feels like, a, you know, like a kind of specific image of, like, spitting in the ground and then rubbing mud on someone's eyes. Yeah, it is um, a bit unique. But, like, maybe it is a common thing. I, I have not looked into this particular motif very closely. True. Um, anyway, so with Matakeripo's advice, he successfully climbs to the heavens and is able to successfully reunite with his wife and daughter. So that is the story. Involving Matakerepo. And she has been equivocated with Faitiri by some scholars. However, this is likely not 100% accurate because there are a few stories in which they are clearly separate beings. Um, I don't know them, but they exist. How did you find Faitiri? Um, I looked on, like, there's that one website that always comes up when I'm, like, researching mythology stuff that's, like, God index, like, God's... You know, it's sort of, like, oh, yeah. kind of humorous. I, I, know, I think I know what you mean, but I don't yeah, remember what it's I called. I cannot remember what it's called. But anyway, I was, like, looking up, like, Polynesian gods to try and, like, because I wanted to do, like, someone from this the Pacific Polynesian area. And um, I was, like, who sounds interesting and who can I find enough information on to get an episode? Because yeah. it is hard to find information. And I was, yeah. like, oh, she sounds cool. So... A few other things. Uh, so, Faitiri is created with showing humans how to use the latrine as well, which is sacred to her. Oh. And also very important. Other objects sacred to her include taro roots and a fish hook decorated with red feathers, both of which make sense with these yeah. stories. And she's also associated with the number 10 and the date March 26th. Oh, fun. Yeah. Do you know why? No. I mean, I think there's just, like, calendar dates, you know, that where certain, like, um, figures are celebrated. Yeah. Um, you know, like, the, I think the Aztec calendar has something similar, and then obviously there's, like, saints' calendars, which also yeah, similar concept. So despite her frightening attributes, Faitiri still seems to be respected and regarded with relative positivity. There are several people with Faitiri as a surname, including Meika Faitiri, the current New Zealand Minister of Customs. Oh. Um, and the name does just mean thunder, but, like, I do think the connotations and associations must be there. I'm not an expert on Maori naming conventions by any means, but generally when a being is considered dangerous or scary in, like, a general global culture understanding as far as I'm aware, people don't take on their names as their own. Yeah, it would be bad luck. Yeah. Or, like, a bad omen. Mm -hmm. 
And then there's also the fact that she, though she was frightening, she helps humans in other ways. So for example, she created the latrine and showed humans how to use that, which was very important. And she yes. also, you know, made that fish hook for her husband, which incredibly important if fishing is your like primary source of food, you got to be able mm-hmm. to catch them. So she also helped her grandson reunite with his family. So like overall, she's not 100% bad. She just likes human flesh. I don't even think she's that bad in general. Like, the whole eating flesh thing is usually not a positive trait, I feel like, uh-huh. in mythology. But here it seems a bit kind of neutral yeah. rather than, like, bad. I would say so as well. Um, I mean, like, so the thing is, it does seem like in her the stories, her husband is, um, like, shocked by her habits. Yeah. But, like... It seems like more of, like, a quirky little trait rather yeah. than, like... Mm-hmm. This means she's evil. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fun. I think yeah. that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about this a bit, but, like, a lot of, especially, like, Western mythologies have a very, like, black and white, mm-hmm. good versus bad thing. And if this was in, like, you know, Greek mythology or something, she would definitely be evil. Oh, yeah. That is very true because there's all the, I mean, there's all those myths where, like, someone eats flesh and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're evil and now you die and get, like, tormented in the afterlife. Yeah. But she's a bit, like, neutral, like, kind of positive, mm-hmm. maybe a kind of negative, but overall not necessarily in judgment either way. She just kind of exists. hmm You know? Yeah. Which I think is kind of nice. Yeah, so according to my research, um, the Maori did practice cannibalism of their falling enemies after fighting. Oh. So, like, it wasn't, like, you know, a weird thing in yeah. society to, like, you know, practice cannibalism. I think that possibly one of the things that really just really shocked her husband is that, you know, this wasn't a fighting situation when she killed her slave. It was like, she just did it for her husband. And he was like, wait a second, this is kind of weird now. Yeah, like it wasn't necessarily like a really, really weird thing societally, but it wasn't necessarily like a commonplace everyday thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. There was like a certain ritual to it. Mm Mm-hmm. So she reminds me of some of the conceptions of Skywoman. So she's both a more malevolent spirit that messes with humans and also a benevolent being that helps humans. So, I mean, like mm-hmm. we said, she's not really that malevolent. Like, she has some, she does some things that are, like, kind of questionable, like sh- her killing her slave and her husband's relatives. Um, but also, like, she um, helps her, you know, she helps her grandchildren, like, go to heaven. You know, she's, like, still helpful. Um, so it's not as, like, black and white, as we said. And also, when I was reading about Faithiri, I was intrigued by the depiction of her as a blind older woman. Mm-hmm. And some of the sources I looked at, she's referred to as blind grandmother, which I thought was a really interesting um, yeah. epithet. And we talked a bit, a little bit in the past about the motif of old woman mythology and folklore, and I looked a little bit more into it. So... In the article, Why Are Old Women Offered the Face of Evil in Fairy Tales and Folklore by Elizabeth Blair... Um, she quotes writer Veronique Tajo, um, who cites the fear of female power in general. In West African folklore, she says it's always the old solitary woman living on the fringes of society who's harming people, independent woman, women who refuse to blend into society are often seen as frightening and a threat to the social order. On the other hand, older women can also be viewed as sources of wisdom due to their greater experience. So in some stories, older women are the only ones who can solve a problem due to their knowledge and skills, and they serve as mentor figures for the heroes of the tales and help them accomplish their goals. Yeah. Also, sometimes, like, older women are sort of, like, a necessary part of the human life cycle, kind of, like, the crone yeah. and the yeah, maiden like the, and everything. Yeah, like, the triple goddess, like, um, 
Yeah, like not necessarily bad, but just like part of Mm -hmm. how it is. Yeah. And so Faithiri embodies both of these characterizations of older women. Um, She is sort of the frightening older woman, the powerful woman who sits on the outskirts of society. Um, It sort of seems like in the stories that I read, she was kind of not really integrated into the, like, the community where her husband lived. Like, everyone was kind of, like, looked on in horror when she, like, consumed um, those bodies that she improperly blessed or did not bless. Yeah, like, she Um, decides to marry Kaitangata and she, like, goes to live with him instead of, like, bringing him up to heaven or something. So she does try to integrate herself into his life in a way. And, I mean, she bears his children. Yeah. And... I mean, she's still, like, how when she doesn't want to wash the children, like, she's still maintaining her, like, godliness. Yeah. Also, obviously, the flesh-eating thing. Mm-hmm. But, but she, like, she does try. She, like, tries to help him fish. And, like, she gets sad when he badmouths her to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, like, so she... um is sort of like the weird older woman who sits on the outskirts of society, like, you know, the old uh, widow in the and outside of the village who, like, everyone calls a witch at some point and, like, yeah. you know. Sort of a pitiful, like, trying to count her taro. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then she's also, the, like, the wiser old woman whose wisdom is necessary in order to help the hero complete his quest as she is with her grandson, Tafaki. Yeah. Um, and her grandson helps her like restore her sight but then she also helps him ascend to heaven or whatever yeah it's kind of like mutually beneficial yeah absolutely and like um i didn't i guess i didn't mention it in my notes earlier but like in the second story um in which the figure is matakeripo and tafagi is um coming up to, like, get her advice and messing with the tubers and stuff, it says that he's doing that specifically because he knows she's dangerous and he needs to find a way to, like, placate her and, like, um, get on her good side or whatever. Hmm. Um, and so that's why he does it, as opposed to, like, the original story where it kind of just seems like they do it for fun. Yeah. Or something. Okay. Um, so there's that as well, which is good. So yeah, she's, like, sort of on both sides of that, like, you know, dichotomy of being, like, you know, the weird older woman that everyone's kind of wary of compared to... Um, the wise old woman who is whose advice and wisdom is needed and she gives the advice because she's older and wiser and like that's why she has that yeah and she gets to live like a full life cycle like she's young at the beginning and then she's an old woman at the end yeah i think so i'm actually not sure how old she is at the beginning but i think that makes sense i assume young ish if yeah it said that she's old at the end Mm -hmm. she must have aged a little bit yeah probably in Maori culture, there exists a figure called the Kaumatua, who are respected tribal elders and Maori communities. And they are the keepers of knowledge and traditions of their communities and often have knowledge in genealogy or other important fields. And they're believed to be the reincarnation of a person who had acquired a supernatural or godly status after death and who had become the protector of the family. And it's a title one can't claim for themselves, only have it bestowed on them by other members of the community. So, while I don't necessarily think that Faitiri fit, would fit into the category of Kamatua, it shows that there's a great reverence for elders in Maori culture, and I think it's possible that Faitiri's age would help explain the level of respect with which she seems to be treated. Mm-hmm. And, like, overall, um, it shows, like, you know, the idea of, a you know, an old, elder person who has wisdom to, like, dispense to, 
you know, the young up and coming heroes of their society. Yeah. And how they're important to like the life cycle and like yeah. they're important to the community. They don't just immediately become like unimportant when they get old. Yeah, absolutely. It's about furthering life and like continuing wisdom as the generations go by. Yeah, like um, the passing down of generational wisdom, as we discussed in a recent mm-hmm. episode. I can't remember which one, um, but I like that theme a lot. I think it was um, the Yenenga episode. Oh, well then, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that one a lot, that theme a lot. You know, the community, people in the community exist to help each other. Um, yeah. And even if you are, like, too old to work, you're still valued for your wisdom and what you've, like, learned throughout your years. And maybe sometimes you like human flesh. Yeah, which is fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of, like, modern, hum- like, Western culture is very set on, like, generations being different mm-hmm. and, like, generation versus generation, which mm-hmm. is just bizarre. Yeah. That's not how it should be. Like, yeah, there's valuable information to learn. And, like, it's just, it's just weird. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think in general, like, trying to differentiate, like, different groups by, or, like, create different classes by age doesn't make sense and, like, doesn't work. No. And it's, it's just very, like, yeah. ageist and... Yeah. I feel like that's not the point of, like, society. Mm-hmm. It's to be, like, separate people that much based on age. Mm-hmm. Like, not in, like, a judgmental way. No, yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense, I think. So it is nice to see older people being valued. Yeah. That's not always the case, I feel like. Yeah, and I think that it's really important to value older people in your community. Definitely. I agree. Not just for their wisdom, but also like, oh, does your grandma listen to this? She does sometimes, I think. Yes. So if she's listening. listen to this one. Yeah, I'll tell her to listen to this one for sure. I'll tell my Opa to listen to this. <laughs> uh-huh. So thank you, Zoe, for today's episode. I thought she was very fun and I liked learning about her. So um, thank you for listening and please feel free to subscribe and listen to other other episodes and follow us on social media. And thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. May the Ladies Podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. Today's episode was researched and presented by Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythoLadies and visit us on our website at MythoLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening.